so we are talking uh, through this section of Hebrews 11 and 12. And today we heard from uh, the message version of Hebrews 12, the first two verses, the first three verses. We're just talking about these examples from the Hebrew scripture who encourage us as believers in Jesus. So they, they didn't know about Jesus at that time. They were just trying to follow God in faith. But their inspiration to us, by means of the author of Hebrews, is, is to say, hey, when tension comes in life, when it gets really hard, when things are difficult, this is when you can look to Jesus. And, look, and now it uses an example of these people from the past who encourage us. Look at their story. And here's the thing. I, when we laid this uh, series out, and it will go right up to Easter, uh, I didn't realize how many times the essence of the story was about courage. Like faith was worked out and exemplified by courage that was, um, I would say it was, it was the result of faith. It was also what uh, was the implement of faith in that person's life. They chose to be courageous because they believed in God whom they could not see but they knew had given them a promise and they followed through knowing that he would be glorified in the end. And that was what the thing was they did in the most difficult and challenging situation. So I just noticed that in the last, I think I've spoken three or four times on this recently. And, and every time courage is one of the major elements of the story. And I think it's really interesting when we're talking about courage and we're talking about faith as believers in Jesus, that courage is a big part of it. And that's encouraging. It's encouraging to me because I realize that if I'm walking in faith, following Jesus with my friends at Obi Joyful in Crested Butte, then we are living a life of courage. And there's a sense of camaraderie and brotherhood and sisterhood in that that I think is really cool. Together, if we're going to walk with Jesus, then we're going to walk in courage in our community, wherever we live. I think that's cool. And so... The point of the message today is this. I want to encourage you, fearlessly follow Jesus. Fearlessly follow Jesus. And I think you'll see why that makes a lot of sense out of the text that we're going to look at. Let me read to you from the ESV, the English Standard Version, the passage we just heard. It's going to serve as a part of the outline today. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You can see the idea of courage within that. It says run, endure, look to Jesus who... who, his example carries us through. He, he's the ultimate example. Well, today, the narrative that we're going to look at uh, comes out of the book of Numbers. And it is uh, Numbers 13 in general. It's, it's a story of Joshua and Caleb. And some of you may be familiar with these guys. It's about a year after the topic of the message from last week. So last week... The Hebrew people had come out of Egypt. They'd come up against the Red Sea, and the Pharaoh, the army of the Pharaohs, Pharaoh is coming after them to, dest- to catch them, destroy them, and they're terrified, and God opens this way for them through. And there's this army behind them, 
and they say, yes, we'll go through. We'll escape this way, right? You remember, if you weren't here last week, you remember that story. And you see the courage and the faith of the people to trust God in this very tense situation. Well, now it's, like I said, about a year later, and they've come to another place where they've got to make a decision about whether or not they're going to cross into the land that God had promised to them. So they had heard from the beginning that God had promised a place for them to go, that he was beginning this process of uh, establishing a nation from which the Messiah would come. So they have this, this word, this truth, this promise from God. They have this hope, and they've come again to this barrier where they've got to decide if they're going to actually take hold of that promise, if they're going to move forward with God. So what I want to do is read to you from Numbers 13. And what I've done, the, the story is really long, so I've compressed it a little. And you'll see I've, I've sort of done the uh, cliff note version. And we'll put it up here, and I'll, I'll let you know where we are in the Scripture. God tells Moses to choose 12 leaders. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is 13 verse 1, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief or leader among them. And in verse 25, And at the end of 40 days, those men returned from spying out the land. And what we're going to see is what happens around the news that those people those guys brought back to the people. When they came to the border, when they came to the edge of this land, they had to make a decision as to whether or not they were going to believe God, to trust his word that he would provide for them and that he was taking them there. Just like those guys, repeatedly we're encouraged to use the Israelite people as a metaphor for our lives. So I want to encourage you as we're talking about this to try to put yourself in their place. To think about your life and the life of our church in terms of being at this, really in life, a series of borders, a series of places where we've got to choose if we're going to follow our God or not in faith. And that's a place that they are at. So I want to encourage you again, what I'm talking about today is following God, following Jesus Fearlessly. They were encouraged to follow God fearlessly, and you'll see that. Three points. The race, the team, and the river. The race, the team, and the river. So let's start with the race. In Hebrews 12, which I just read to you, right in the middle of it, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there's a big assumption in this. The author is assuming that the people who are reading this letter have a race that they're in. They're actually having, they actually have a toe on the line. They're registered and have the number plate on. Right? He says, run with endurance the race that is set before you. So uh, if you're a believer in here, I think the assumption is that you are running a race with God. There is something he is calling you into that's challenging, that forces you to step over the line. It might even make you nervous. 
that assumption is there. Might, if you're someone who hasn't crossed the line of faith yet, it might be that you have sensed God calling you to do that, to step over into that place that's a little bit unknown, to trust him. Because you've seen in his word, you've heard, you've, you've been experienced this with your friends that, that know Jesus, that he is calling you to cross that line of faith. You may be there. But in any, any case, there is a race that is assumed that we are in. Run with endurance the race set before you. And then in verse 3 of chapter 12, it says this. Consider him, that's Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility. In other words, he was beaten and hung on a cross for us so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, he's been there already. As hard as it might look to you, remember Jesus has been in this place already. So the question I have for you, especially if you are a believer, is are you actually following Jesus somewhere? If you're not, you know, we have to be engaged with him. And we'll talk about a little bit about what that might look like in just a moment. Because Christianity is an active thing. It's not a thing where we just sit back and, you know, church is like the total sum of our faith and how we walk with him, right? You, you don't have to have a lot of courage to exercise your faith to show up here on Sunday morning. At least most of us don't, except for the ice, you know, on the way in. Uh, I, I don't make any secrets of the fact that I really did not like middle school. And uh, part, of that, part of the way you kind of act out middle school, if you were like me, was, uh, you know, you're just insecure, totally insecure. And then around your family, uh, you kind of take it out on your family, take out what you're feeling. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And uh, so what I would do when I would come home from school is I'd, you know, it was probably still in that era where my mom was picking me up from school. That was always awesome. You know, the station wagon. And we had that, the full-on goofball station wagon. Like, oh, God. Um, can't my mom drive something cool? And uh, so I'd get in the back seat of the station wagon and go home. And I would go to my room. And I had a little, for those of you who are a little bit older, sound design stereo record player. Come on. And uh, I had my Queen album, my ZZ Top album, and I would put those on, and I would just stay in my room. And I would not engage with my family. When my family said, hey, come on out, we're going to have dinner. I mean, food was about the only thing that could get me out of there, right? If, I, if they asked me to be a part or help or anything, I mean, I was like, oh, you're kidding me. Help. You're so dumb. Anyway, middle school wasn't great for me. Uh, I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but they had to pry me out of my room to participate. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm embarrassed of that now, but it was part of life. Uh, somehow, I feel like the Hebrew people were there. I think some of us uh, wouldn't, uh, spiritually, wouldn't disagree with the fact that we might be there too. But, you know, yeah, we're part of his family. We're hiding out in our room, listening to our records. This author is assuming that we're engaged in the struggle. We have a toe on the line. We're, we're prepared to go somewhere to be a part. We've trained. We're ready to be active in our faith. And so much so that it's going to take courage to step out. We're going to have to do it fearlessly. You know, I, honestly, looking back and 
I would have rather done differently in middle school, but maybe I wasn't capable of it. But I don't want to look back at my Christian life and say, wow, I was in my bedroom, you know, of my family's house, you know, just listening to records. I want to be engaged. I want to, I want to be able to say, come with me courageously to follow Jesus. That's the kind of follower of Christ I want to be. And I think for most of us, we'd prefer to be in that. Just If you just held them both up and said, which would you rather do? So where are you being led? I think there's a continuum of understanding of what that might look like in our room right here. Like there are some people, like I said, that maybe they're over here and have not crossed the line of faith yet. So just being challenged to follow Jesus to start with, to believe is something that is a big deal, to step across that line. And there's maybe some people that have just stepped across that line and they don't know what to do next. What, what's next for me? And, and maybe way over here is that person that we all, you know, if you've been a believer very long, we all wish we could be like. They're like totally on fire, know who they are, know what they're doing. You know, this is who I am, this is how I serve God, I know who my gifts are, you know, that kind of person. And some of us are there too. It's a great place to be in confidence. But most of us, if that person's way over here, somewhere, you know, along this continuum, wondering what is what race am I supposed to, what's the specifics of the next steps that I'm supposed to take? What's he calling me to? What line am I at? What's the land that I'm looking into? I feel like, I feel like most of the time I spend my hours there. But there's something that, that you should know. And I think if you just look at the New Testament, you just read a little bit of the New Testament, where we get a lot of instruction about what it means to follow Jesus, you'll see that there are some really basic things about following him that take courage and boldness and uh, need, we need encouragement for and put us right on the line looking over into a place that we don't really know all that much about. Like loving our neighbor as ourself. I mean, just right there, obedience to him in that is a, can be a major thing. Some of you have neighbors, literally, who might be difficult to love. Perhaps you threw some snow in their backyard. Joel? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if you did that. But. Um, acting in humility towards someone who is not making it easy for us, right? Maybe a family member. Maybe a parent trying to love a middle school child. Maybe a middle school kid trying to love their parents and follow Jesus and that. Generosity towards people in need. Serving others. All of these things are things that are part of our calling where we just, we, he, he says, hey, follow me. This is what it looks like. And it's hard to do. It takes courage to love somebody unselfishly. To take into our workplace the love of Christ. To speak about him there. To love like he lo- loved there. Some of you have even a greater like, level of specific knowledge of some God, calling God has. Maybe you've been called to ministry. Maybe to missions. Maybe you've been called to a real ministry in your workplace, in your extended family. Maybe there's something specific you know, I'm sure God needs me, wants me to do this. And you're on the edge of that line. The thing about the situation that the Israelites find themselves in this time is that they've come to the border of this land, y'all, and there's no army behind them, there's no pressure. Right? I'm not saying it was easier to go into 
that dry land between those huge walls of water and that miracle that God created. But I think it was easier because there were people with swords right behind them. Right? But most of the time when we're following Jesus, he's not got a sword at our back. Right? And here, in this same situation, or this parallel situation, the Hebrew people have come up to this, this land and God even says, you know, it's okay if you go in and look and see what it looks like before you go. So the question was, would they fearlessly follow with no pressure behind them? Just the word of God saying, I promise you I'll take care of you when you go into that place. Would they do it? So they were at the start of the race. Many of us are at the start of a section of the race of our spiritual life and following Jesus. Now let's talk about the team. So one thing you'll notice in this story is that the team of people, that includes the whole Israelite nation, but also the people that were leading them, the people around them in their communities, all of that was important in making their decision and what they would do. So the question is, who is the team that you are trusting to walk with you in your faith in the bold moves that you're going to make to follow Jesus? Who is the team around you helping you do that, encouraging you to make good decisions, to follow him? Who are those people? Keller says this, and I think it's a pretty strong statement. He says, without community, deep relationships, there is no gospel. Now, he is saying without relationship, without people encouraging us, all of us together in love, moving forward in the church the way he, God has created it, there is no gospel. The team is important. And you hardly, you just don't see it anywhere else like you see it here. I was, at, uh, I was up at the mountain having coffee, working, and there were four Obi Joyful people in there out of six. Okay, it just happened to be not a lot of people in there. And Jim Coons was in there meeting with somebody who's trying to figure out how to walk in their faith, I think. I think that's what was going on. I was meeting with somebody. Molly was there with somebody. And then Lucas. Lucas in here today? Lucas was over there uh, too. All these Christian people were there. We're a team all over this community. God says, choose 12 leaders and send them into the land and have them come back and tell the people about it and lead them into the land. So I want to read to you this story. And again, I've, I've edited this just a little bit to make it uh, less than 30 minutes long. This is from Numbers 13, 27. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They brought back examples of how great it was over there. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And now Numbers 14, verse 2. And all the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Verse 6, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, 
the land which we passed through to spy out. It's an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. So I want to make just a few observations about the team who is making these decisions. For us, it's this body, the body of believers in the town of Crested Butte. For them, it included this large number of people, all focused really in one direction until this moment, and ten spies. Those ten spies did not believe the word of God. Y'all, our leaders, the people that we submit ourselves to and leadership under, under as our leaders, we have to look to them as people who believe the word of God. If you're here, if you're at another church, the word of God has got to be preeminent. But they did not believe it. The outcome of their decision not to cross into that land that God had promised them could not have been more tragic. It could not have been worse. God flat out punished them for that for 40 years. They'd been in the wilderness about one year. For every day, he says, that you are in that land spying it out, these people are going to spend 40 years, or a year for each one of those. So for 40 years, they're going to be in the wilderness. And the whole generation is going to die. So the only people that are going to go into this promised land are people that were under the age of 20. Only Caleb and Joshua from that generation went in. Two faithful people who believe the word of God. Two. But you know, that's, that is the bottom line. We've got to know and listen to the word of God. If we don't know the word of God, we're just floundering. We can't know what his promises are. We can't know what he's calling us to. We have to know his word. And we have to act on it in faith. For us, as the OB Joyful team, gosh, y'all, we have got to gather faithful people around us, people who know the word will speak truth into us, mentors, friends, the body at large. We've got to know the word and walk forward in that. We also need people to be like Joshua and Caleb. Now, we can't think of ourselves as the body, like at large, like not involved. These decisions that we make matter to people that are watching us and listening to us, from our children to our friends, our spouses, our families, extended families, people that we were everywhere. People are looking and counting on us to make decisions like Caleb and Joshua made, to say, only please obey God. Cross that line. You know, I wonder what the story of the Israelite people would be like if they had crossed the line. What would be different now? I mean, I I might identify with them less because they obeyed, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, So there's a race to join. The people around us matter in that process. And I want to call us as people who follow Jesus at Obi Joyful to be more like Joshua and Caleb. Say, I, I'm scared. I don't know what's... These people are huge. 
it's scary over there. We don't know what it's going to be like, what the cost is going to be to us. However, God said go. So, so we have the race, we have the team, and we have the river. So we're back again after 40 years. The people have come back to the, the, the edge of the land. This time they're at this, at this barrier that is, again, water. And there's this river blocking their way to go across. And Joshua is leading them now. So he's the one who's been faithful. He's the one that God has chosen. And Moses even doesn't go, right? Imagine how harsh that was and how hard. It's 40 years later. A generation has totally died. Can you imagine the, uh, you know, as whatever your age, whenever your parents like suggesting ideas for you for life, you're like, uh, you know how to find out. And whenever I'm like doing that with my kids, I'm like, yeah, you really ought to think about this. I know they're like, la, 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 la. You know, there's this, this thing where they're like, yeah, okay, dad, I'm going to kind of hear you. It's pretty funny, like Katie. When I say, Katie, I really think you should, <laughs> I think this is a great idea. Sorry. Um, but I can see, like, if she really likes the idea or if she really doesn't like it, <laughs> she can't hide it. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Uh, but that's just how it works. With people that are, you know, older, speaking in the lives of people that are younger, you know, sometimes it just it's hard to, you know, there's a barrier there. But you better believe that that generation that was dying was like, when you get to that river again, you darn well better go across the line. Do not do what we did. You've got to follow Jesus. And that's that thing where, as older people, we can always be speaking into that younger generation in the most winning way we can figure out how to do it so that they hear us say, when you come to that line of obedience, to looking across it, take the step. Do not back up. There was, there was no army behind them again. So again, it's just up to them. It, God says it's, it's up to you to choose to go across. I'm not going to make you do it. Honestly, those are the times when I find it more easy uh, to follow my God. Is when there's a crisis in my life. I'm like, okay, God, I'll, do, I'll go. Right, things are hard. I'm, I'm with you. You know, you kind of get elevated. That way, we were at staff meeting this week. We were talking, and, and part of the conversation was, man, I, I wish that I could live in that place where when the big challenges came, I was like gung-ho spiritually, ready to follow, ready to step over, you know? But that's not how we find it going. We just don't do that that often. But wow, if we were all ready to go when we came to the river, when we came to that place where we had to cross, so I wonder what the land across the river looks like for you. If I follow him, what will happen? Maybe I won't be popular. Maybe I'll lose friends. Maybe those parents will think I'm a religious zealot. Those other parents. Maybe my guys won't understand. It'll be expensive. I'll have to give up a dream or my comfort. You know, one of the things you notice about the Israelite people when they come to that line is it's going to be hard on the other side if they cross it. Challenges are ahead. And they ignore the word of God for what they know and being comfortable in the place that they know it. Man, that just describes my decisions a lot of times. 
and they didn't have somebody behind him saying, nope, you got to go. Well, here's what God tells Joshua to encourage him. This is really cool stuff. This is in Joshua 1. It's right at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Verse 6. He says, and notice the idea of courageousness coming up here. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Know the word well. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. In other words, obey me when you are tempted to stay in a place of comfort or choose an easier path. Verse 8, This book of the law, my word, shall not depart from your mouth, from your heart, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do all to do according to all that is written in it. In other words, know and obey my word. You see those two things being highlighted. Know the word and be courageous. So body, oh be joyful, know the word and be courageous. It's interesting that the, uh, the author of Hebrews, he doesn't actually mention Joshua in his list, but he allows that, t- he shows them in the timeline and gives these general descriptions of people who followed God well at the very end of chapter 11. In the way he describes us, we're, we're not going to be described individually in the scripture someday, but our story matters. Our individual story matters in the course of the unfolding of God's will in our communities. It matters. Especially matters, I think, in Crested Butte. And I've said that before. I think we have an incredible opportunity to have impact in this place for our king. Many of you know, and I'll I'll wrap up with this, that Obi Joyful turns 40 this year. So I was thinking about that in terms of us and the Israelite people. Because when they turned when they turned forty as a people in the wilderness, they had a big decision to make. Right? I would really love it if Obi Joyful and the people wherever whichever area of life is it is that God is calling you to step forward in faith in, that we are the kind of people like uh, Joshua and Caleb that are saying, We don't know how we're gonna do it, but he said we can do it. So obey. Instead of saying we're gonna be comfortable. And y'all, we've just made a big you know, decision for a whole year we've been in this place, waiting to be over there in that new building. And that's one of those moments where we have a chance to engage our community at a new level. So I'm, I'm praying that our body, at this point where we, we are kind of crossing over, we may just be crossing over maroon, <laughs> but, uh, but there is a sense that we are now choosing at 40 to continue to step out in faith and not have to go do a wilderness trip, right? I I don't want to know what that story is like. I want to know what the story of faith and crossing that line, crossing that river really looks like for us. Tyler, we have a song to wrap up. You guys want to come up and I'll pray as we do and 
We pray that we're going to be folks that are like Caleb and Joshua. God, we all, uh, I, I don't think any of us aspire to uh, hide out but, and not be a part, but life is busy, it's hard, and you understand that. I know you care about the intimate details and things of our lives, the, the suffering, the, the, the things that hold us back. Um, but God, I pray that wherever each of us are that are following you, God, we would be ready at the line to hear from you. And God, I pray for those who have not crossed the line of faith yet. Maybe this is an opportunity, God, to say, okay, I, I do, I believe. You know, I don't know what's next. I don't know what it looks like. I know that I believe and I trust you. God, thanks for loving us in our weakness. In Jesus' name, amen.